into the gospel according to Luke, chapter 7, please. We're going to read about another young man outside the city gate. I think that was a timely piece, and sometimes in the singing of pieces it confirms a message for the preacher, and we're always watching and listening for things like that. We're at the seventh chapter of Luke and verse 11, and it reads this. And it came to pass the day after that he, that was the Lord Jesus, went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Notice that, much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw the beer, saw, saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, or the coffin. And they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all, and the glorified God, saying, that a great prophet has risen up amongst us, and that God has visited his people. And we know that God will bless the reading of his word. The title of my message tonight is, Touched by the master's hand, touched by the master's hand. There are many dear souls in the Word of God and outside the Word of God who could testify to a precious touch of God in their lives, touches that have changed them, changing touches that have transformed their lives, not only for time, but for all eternity. And my good wife Pat will not mind me saying this tonight, that 49 years ago, this very evening, uh, the Lord touched her, and she never has been the same since. And if I get to the morrow morning after 11 o'clock, it's 49 years since we had that gracious, precious touch of God upon our lives, and we have had many touches since, and many we have needed them. Touched by the Master's hand. What a title. In Genesis 32 and verse 24, read that, old ja that Jacob wrestled all night with the angel of Peniel. 
And whenever the dawn was breaking, the angel called out to let me go. And Jacob replied back, I will not let you go until you bless me. And the Lord touched him on the hollow of the thigh and put it out of joint, and he hopped and he limped from that day on. That was a changing touch, a changing touch in his life. Then in 1 Samuel 10 and verse 26, the God anointed and God anointed and appointed Saul as the first king of Israel. And he went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Now, remember this, they went home with him. They stayed with him, and that was a serving touch. And if you're going to serve God, you'll need to serve him first at home. He need to touch you in the home. This was a serving touch. They went home with him, a band of men whose hearts God had touched. Would that God would see a band of men with hearts touched of God. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, we have the mighty vision that Isaiah saw. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his throne filled the temple, and a seraphim dipped his wings and come down and touched him with the live coal from off the altar. And he cried out, Woe is me, for I am undone. That was a purging touch. He was purged from his sins that day. Then in Matthew 8 and 15, Peter's wife's mother was sick. Peter say, Luke says, with a great fever. And they besought him to come unto her. And Jesus touched her, and the fever left her. That was a healing touch. And the Lord can heal. Never you forget that the Lord has, has many times touched and healed men and women, and they've, they've, they've given their, 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 their thanks to medicine and to doctors and thank God for them. But away behind the scene, so often that touch of healing comes from God. And then in Matthew 9 and verse 29, the two blind men uh, that followed the Lord uh, looking for the sight and Jesus said, Believe ye that I am able to do this. And he touched them, and immediately they could see that was a seeing touch. And so there are many touches in the Word of God, precious touches in the Word of God and outside the Word of God. And those in this meeting could get up and testify tonight to a real touch of God on their lives. And I'm thinking of some in the meeting tonight who lay for months and years, and God touched them. Glory to his name. There's the changing touch, there's the serving touch, there's the purging touch, there's the healing touch, there's the seeing touch. But that's not what we're after tonight. What we're after tonight is the raising touch. The raising touch. And we read about it in this uh, young man from the city of Nain. You know, in my young days, Jim Reeves was very popular and he used to sing a song, was top of the charts when two worlds collide. Two of the greatest powers on earth collided at the gate of the city of Nain. The powers of good and the powers of evil. The powers of Christ and the powers of the devil. The clashed. 
at the gate of this very panoramic, beautiful little city of Nain. One crowd was commanded and controlled by the prince of death. There was a dead man. And the other by the prince of life. And a standoff began at the gate. Between death and life. And there's a standoff in this meeting tonight between death and life. Because the devil's here tonight and Christ's here tonight. This standoff was a prelude to a greater standoff that was going to happen outside another city gate on down the line a bit. And that was the standoff at Calvary's cross where he faced down all the powers of death and darkness and hell and demons. Hallelujah. One crowd was following Christ and another crowd was following the coffin. There was many on one side and there was much on the other side. Praise God for those who are on Christ's side. Whose side are you on tonight? Who are you following tonight? Are you going through the gates with him? And I'm talking about the pearly gates that we've been singing about. We're talking about the revelation says that the the gates are open day and night. But you know there's coming a day when the gates will be shut and the door will be closed and it'll be too late. Whose side are you on tonight? Are you following Christ or are you following death? Are you on the side of life or are you on the side of death? It's too late when it comes to the funeral procession. And it doesn't matter, my friend, how many carries your coffin. And it doesn't matter how many cries round it. And it doesn't matter how many sees you or how many of what they say or what the minister says. And some of it will not be truth anyway, for there's more lies told at funerals nearly than anywhere else. It will not matter. What will matter is, where is your soul? It's too late when it comes to the coffin. It's too late when they're, when they're saying ashes to ashes and dust to dust in sheer and certain hope of the resurrection. Lies, maybe. I was asked at the funeral by the undertaker one day, he says, are you going to do your committal? I said, you do not, no committal for this person. I couldn't have any assurance. I couldn't say he's in sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the eternal life. You need to be sure when you say these things and not be telling lies. It doesn't matter, my friend, what is said when you're in the coffin, when you're heading to the tomb, like this man, when you're heading to the grave. Don't matter. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ raised three from the dead. In the Gospels, Jairus' daughter, the widow of the son, this fellow here, and Lazarus. They were in three different stages of death. Jairus' daughter was in bed. She was just a few hours dead, at the most. This fellow of Nain, he had moved another stage. He was out of the bed if he was in it, and he was in the coffin. And then when we come to Lazarus, he was another stage, he was in the grave. So it's from the bed to the coffin to the grave. Come on now.
You could be in your bed tomorrow night. You could be in your coffin on Tuesday. You could be in the grave on Wednesday. Say to me tonight, I'll not. Say to me, that'll not be me. You cannot say it. There's appointed on the man once to die, but after this, the judgment. Man's days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. In a moment, we go down to the grave. God in whose hand our breath is. There's but a step between me and death. There's but a breath between me and death. There's but a moment between me and death. You can't say, my dear friend, that you'll go to bed tonight and you'll wake up. Very like Jairus' daughter in the morning, you could be dead. And then the undertakers will be sent for and they'll take you out and they'll bring you in and they'll put you in a coffin. And then they'll bring you to the grave. And you know, after, apart from your loved ones and a few others, you'll be forgot about. What are you, what are you following tonight? Are you following Christ or are you following death? In 1980, I brought a widow woman to the mortuary at Craig Avon Area Hospital. And I brought that widow woman there to identify her husband who had been kidnapped and tortured by the IRA. And he had been missing for days and he was got down the border. And I wouldn't like to tell you the state that he was in. There's a day of judgment coming. Thank God. Decent man going about his business. And I brought that woman in to identify the body of her husband. And whenever I brought her out again in tears, I went back in again to speak to the mortuary attendant, Joe. Joe, Joe, Joe was a drunkard. The man that attended the mortuary in Kerhagen was a drunkard. He used to keep the drink inside the mortuary. And he turned the drink after the Isle of Man fire. Some of you remember it years ago. His wife was born to death in the Isle of Man fire. And Joe turned the drink. And I went back into Joe and I was talking to him because mine, I knew him and we all knew him. As we were there right often, let me see. And that, 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 uh, Saturday morning, there was three, there was three men on the slabs in the mortar. And I said to Joe, what happened to this man? He says, that man was fixing a, a, a television, uh, and he hit across the power line, and he ended up like that. He was whistled up. And then I said to him, and what happened to this man here? He says, that's a town drunkard. He was hit with a car and poured it down last night. And then there was this man that my business was about. And I went out of that place, and you know, ringing in my ears at that text, and, and I can almost hear it death. There's but a step. But a step. Doesn't take you long to take a step. There's but a step between me and death, David says. You see, death is indiscriminate. Down where my father and mother's buried down there in, in West Fermanagh, just over from their grave, is a grave of a man whom I knew. And he always was an old man as long as I knew him, but he died, and I didn't know when he died. I was away for years, but here he was dead, and he was 101 years of age. 
Gabriel Allett, 101 years of age, and right beside him was a wee was a wee gravestone of a child, one day old. Whether you live 101 or 106, like Dick Shaw is, if he gets to August. It'll pass just like that, my friend, and we'll go the way of all the earth. If Jesus doesn't come, Dick will die, and I will die. We'll all die. We're like water spilt upon the ground that cannot be gathered up again. Aye, there's a picture of death here. Death is in indiscriminate. Death is inevitable. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day will bring forth. Remember the rich farmer. She years when I preached on the rich farmer. You know that he was all, he was all fields, he was all farms, he was all fruit, and he was all flocks. No time for the future. God said, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. And God's sovereign, eternal God who can call your soul any moment he likes. Any moment he likes. There'll be no time to get ready. There'll be no time to repent. He'll be damned forever. Friend, tonight, this could be your last opportunity. I don't think God sent this man with this song and sent me with this message for fun. Death is indiscriminate. Death is inevitable. Death is involuntary. Nobody wants to die. I spend billions and billions every week trying to keep people alive. Medication, relaxation, all sorts of things. <laughs> there was a fellow down in Fermanagh and he said one time, he said, see you Christians, you all want to get to heaven. You all are talking about the pearly gates and the streets of gold and be lovely to see Jesus. He says, stop taking the tablets you're taking. Say, stop taking them tablets that you were taking. She will be there before a week. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go. Death is involuntary. We don't, we don't want to die. There's only one man really volunteered to die, and that was Christ. He gave himself for us. He gave us back to the smiters and his cheek to those who plucked out his hair. He let them spit upon him. He let him, let him, let them nail him to that old cross and strip him at Calvary. Nobody wants to die. Old Voltaire, the French atheist. Voltaire was one of the most intellectual men that France ever had. And that's saying something. Voltaire was one of the richest men that France ever had. And Voltaire was one of the greatest atheists that France ever had. And when old Voltaire was dying, he said to the doctor, he says, I'll give you half of what I own. If you give me six months, 
The doctor says, I can't give you six hours. He says, give me, give me six months and then I'll go to hell and you'll go too, he said. I'm abandoned of God and I'm abandoned of men. Oh, what a way to die. Do you know how Jairus' daughter and Lazarus and this boy of Nain came to life? They came to life through the word of God because it says he touched the coffin and said unto the young man, I say unto thee, arise. He said unto the maid, I say, maid, arise. He says unto Lazarus, come forth. Each call was a personal call to the dead soul. And this is a personal call I'm giving to dead souls tonight, dead in trespass and in sin. The Master has come and calleth for thee tonight. Some man, some woman, some young person, someone in this meeting. This is your night. This is your opportunity. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And after hearing the message of a call of salvation and you reject it then on your own head be it the moment the Lord Jesus spoke and touched this coffin and spoke there was a fleeing match I tell you when Jesus comes there's a fleeing match you know death fled tears fled demons fled hell fled fear fled and he sat up and he began to speak. Now, I don't know what the young man said, but it says he began to speak, so he must have had plenty to say. And why wouldn't he? Would you have not thought that he burst into praise? Dear knows what that young fellow died. Dear knows, maybe he saw the flames of hell. Maybe he could feel Do you ever think of, of hell being in torments? Maybe he got a glimpse into hell, I don't know. But I know that his mother, his mother's heart, or this dear man lost his mother a few weeks ago, you know. And it's a very sensitive time when we lose our mothers. And this poor woman had lost her husband. And now she had lost her son. Do you, not, do you not think that when he sat up and began to speak, do you not think that he praised? Do you not think that she praised? Do you not think that they rejoiced? I tell you, there's no bother getting this boy to testify. I asked more people to testify for the Lord, and they said, oh, I don't think I could do it. Couldn't even get up and say a wee word for the Lord. God help you. Try keeping me down when I come to this month of May every year. Try keeping me down. Try to shut me up. I'll tell you the greatest day of my life was tomorrow morning, 49 years ago. You have something to shout about, something to praise about, something to rejoice about. The young man sat up and he began to speak. I'd love to know what he said.
and the mother's tears were dried. And she returned to the home with him. And the Lord went on about his business. And the devil fled and death fled and hell fled. And I want to leave you with this thought and I'm finished now. I wonder, was the Lord touched with compassion on the thought that this was her only son? I wonder, was his mind going to Calvary? To when he would hang naked there on the cross, and his dear loving mother would stand beneath it. You see, there's two beloved sons in this passage. There's the son of the mother, and there's the son of the father. And I wonder, was his heart touched when he saw the mother because it was the mother's tears that drew him to the coffin? And God sees mother's tears. And our tears are in a bottle. The psalmist says, Do you know there was an old Egyptian grave found many years ago and they found a bottle and it was a quarter full and they reckoned that it was tears. They buried the bottle, they kept their tears, the old ancients in those days kept the tears in a bottle and they buried the bottle with them. And I wonder, did he think, was his thoughts toward Calvary? I know the word towards Calvary. And how I know the word towards Calvary in all three of these resurrections, especially in Lazarus, because he wept. Now, why did he weep at the grave of Lazarus? Not because Lazarus was dead. Mary and Martha was weeping because he was dead. Their brother, why not? But he was going to raise Lazarus in a moment or two. Lazarus, come forth. He wasn't weeping because he had died. He was weeping because of the cost of destroying death. And that was Calvary. Friend, as we come to close this meeting and we come to that old rugged cross, stripped naked, crowned with thorns, there was no other way that death could be destroyed. Demons could be destroyed. There's no other way, my friend, that sin could be dealt with. Only at Calvary. So you need to come tonight to the foot of the old rugged cross by faith and say, Lord, I'm dead in trespass and in sin. Lord, I'm heading towards the grave as hard as I can go without Christ. 
And he has put a barrier across the road tonight. He stood before thee, he stood at the gate, and he's saying, listen, there's two roads. You either follow the coffin, or you follow Christ. It's either death or life. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Let us pray. Father, we just ask tonight Lord, that you'll take the word by the Spirit of God and wing it deep into the hearts of some soul tonight, some young man, some young woman not saved tonight, Lord. Oh, God, have mercy. Hear a cry and answer prayer for Christ's sake.